Hi, I'm Rick Atkins, pastor here at CFCC. Welcome. We hope you enjoy this sermon and that God uses it to grow you in your relationship with Him. Before we get started, our goal is not to replace your investment in a local church with online content. We were made for community. We want to encourage you to engage in a local church with your gifts. See, when the people of God invest in the community of God, they experience the transformative power of God. And that is our hope and prayer for you. Again, thanks for joining us and we hope you enjoy the sermon. Well, good morning, church. How are you? Good, good. Boy, I think we can do a little better than that. How are we doing? Hey, thank you. Thank you, thank you. And good morning to those of you joining us online. What, um, what an incredible privilege it is to, to be here, right? To be able to worship freely, to be able to, to hear God's word and know that we can do that. Uh, it's such, a, such an incredible thing. And I, I pray that we never take that for granted. Well, today we're going to be continuing in our series from the book of Proverbs as we seek guidance and counsel and wisdom from God's Word on the subject of handling our wealth wisely. So I'm thinking, I wanted to give that little dramatic pause there in case you didn't get that right. So I'm thinking that the first thing you said was, oh boy, Mark's talking about money today. And I'm thinking the second thing you said was, and I think he wants more of mine. I heard a story that would adhere to this way of thinking about a pastor, and he came in and he spoke to his congregation on a Sunday, and he said this. He said, guys, I've got some really good news, and I've got some bad news. He said, the good news is this. He says, we now have enough money to finish our building campaign. And he said, the bad news is it's still in your pockets. <laughs> so please relax. Because that's not what today is really about. It's really not. And my hope is by the end of this morning that you as a congregation will better understand that as pastors here, that our focus and our emphasis is always going to be on maturing the believers. You see, because the more we mature as believers, the more you and I fall in love with Jesus. And the more we fall in love with Jesus the less and less we fall in love with the temporary things of this world. And guys, that frees us up, and that opens our hearts to God's way of doing things, including using our wealth wisely. You see, this way it, it becomes personal, right? It becomes personal between you and God. And our goal is to just keep growing you, to help you see and know him better in all areas of your life. That's our goal. So why, right? Good question. Why, then, is the way we handle our wealth such a big deal? And, and, and why does the Bible speak about it so often? Uh, many commentaries said over 2,000 times. Guys, it's because of the amazing power that wealth can have on our lives. And the thing about this wealth power, it can be used for good and it can be used for evil. And how we use it either brings us closer to God or takes us further away. I think that fire and wealth are very similar in this respect. I think about what fire has the ability to do when used correctly. It's a great source of heat, right? It warms us. We use it to cook our food. It provides light in the darkness 
And it's a great purifier. But when used carelessly, I think we all know that it can become totally destructive and devastating. And wealth, wealth has those same type attributes. When used God's way, wealth provides for our families, which is amazing. It helps us uh, help others who are in need. And it provides a means for growing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But when used the world's way, wealth can create greed, selfishness, envy, and pride. And here's the worst part. If left unchecked too long, it can even replace God as the number one priority in our life. Guys, wealth has the ability to control our thoughts, our desires. It has, it has the ability to create this false sense of security or where we turn to in times of trouble. But here's what I want you to remember this morning. It can only do that if we allow it to. Wealth can only do that if we allow it to. It doesn't have a life of its own, right? Wealth's not alive. It can't act on its own or think on its own. It can't decide to do good. It can't decide to commit crimes. Wealth can only do what you and I allow it to. And the Bible gives us such great examples of how this is done both in a good way, in a godly way, and in an evil way. You see, it's that important because how we handle wealth shapes who, how we live. How we handle wealth shapes how we live. But I want you to know this. There are some things that wealth can never do. Let me give those to you. There are some things that wealth can never do. The first is this. It can never satisfy our souls. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This, too, is meaningless. Now, this is coming from King Solomon, the smartest, richest person of that time, and perhaps to ever be on the earth. The next thing is this. It's inferior to wisdom. Wealth is inferior to wisdom. Proverbs 23, 4 through 5 tells us this. It says, choose instruction and knowledge over silver and gold, and that wisdom is more precious than rubies. It's inferior to righteousness. Proverbs eleven four tells us that wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. In other words, no amount of wealth is going to give us eternal life. It is inferior to humility. Proverbs 16, 19 says, It's better to be lowly in spirit than to share plunder with the proud. And the last one is it's inferior to the fear of God. Proverbs 15, 16, Better a little fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. I saw this quote that I really liked. Um, It's from uh, J.P. Getty. He was the founder of Getty Oil, and he said this about wealth. He said, it's a lot like manure. If you don't spread it around, it begins to stink. And guys, wealth from God's standpoint, please hear this. Wealth from God's standpoint is so much more than money. Biblical wealth can be defined as the ability to experience and enjoy God's blessing. The ability to experience and enjoy God's blessings. That's the sense of inner peace and rest that, that we get regardless of the situation we're in. You remember the great example we have of Paul, that, that he's still in prison. He was able to be, have contentment even though he was in a Roman prison. I, I love this because no matter what our bank account looks like, 
knowing and living in a way that resembles Christ and knowing that God will never leave us or forsake us is a wealth that never runs out. So how do we do this, right? So, so if it's a big topic, it's important. How do you and I handle wealth God's way? That's, that's what we're looking at today. And first and foremost, I want to tell you this. We have to understand who all wealth belongs to. We have to understand who it belongs to. Psalms 24 verses 1 and 2 tells us that. It says this. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. He found it on the seas and he established it on the waters. What's that saying is what? It's all God's. It's all God's. And because of that, you and I are called to be caretakers or stewards of all that has been given to us. I love this definition. Listen to this. This is a definition of stewardship. It says this, a person who manages things that belong to someone else. See, that's us. That's us, right? That's what we do. We are to manage all that belongs to God. He gave us that in Genesis. And guys, when we're able to see it that way, when we're able to understand it that way, then our wealth, our investments simply become an extension of his will. Now it becomes not so much about how much we possess, but how we use and care for all that has been entrusted to us. Let me do this. I want to give you two examples that I want you to to check out. And these examples are prayers to God. And and I want you to see how evident it is. One understands that it all belongs to God and the other doesn't. Now, in this first example, I am definitely dating myself. It is a very old movie. I got to watch it with my dad when I was little. And when I watched it a little later on, I enjoyed it even more. So if you've never seen it, check it out. But it's... it's, uh, it's a movie that's called Shenandoah, and, and it's starring Jimmy Stewart, right? And, and, and he is saying this prayer at Thanksgiving with the family around the table. And I want you to listen to what, what his prayer sounds like. Check out the screens. So, I want you now to listen to this prayer from King David. I want you to compare the two. I hope you could hear that, but I want you to compare the two here. This is a a prayer from King David as he's addressing the Israelites. And what is he doing? He's addressing them because he's explaining to them what he's about to give to help his his son Solomon to build the temple. And it's in Chronicles 29.3. And he, he says this. He says, I now... I now give my personal treasure of gold and silver over and above all that I've provided. 300 talents of gold and 7,000 talents of refined silver. Guys, that, that's a, a small fortune. And, and, and for a minute, you start thinking, well, this is David becoming a little proud, right? He's, he's kind of proud of this. But when you listen to his prayer in verse 14, it, it is unbelievable. Listen to what he says. He says, but who am I? But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, Lord, and we have given you only what comes from you. Do you see the difference? Can you see the difference in the two? 
Because Jimmy Stewart's character, like many, many today, believed that he and his sons, that they did everything needed to produce the food that they were about to eat. So when that is your thoughts, the, the, the truth is you don't really need God. But I think he forgot a few things this morning, guys. I think he forgot who made the sun. I think he forgot who put the nutrients in the soil and who created rain to water those plants. Oh, yeah, and who created he and his family? But you see, David's prayer, David's acknowledgement that it was all God's and that he was simply giving back a piece of all that had been given to him, you see, that proper perspective, it gave him that proper perspective. And so now he's not giving out a guilt. He's not giving out a sense of duty, but out of a heart of love. That's our prayer. That's our prayer, that, that, that we will give out of a heart of love for all that God's done for us. Not just in our money, but in everything we do in life. So two things for this fourth point I really want you to remember. It's all God's, and we are just stewards of it all. And wealth is so much more, more than just money. The second point I want you to hear today from is this, is that for you and I to use wealth wisely, we have to keep growing and remembering who God is. We have to keep growing and remembering. We said this earlier, as you and I continue to grow and mature in God's word, we fall more in love with him. And as that happens, not only do we not forget but we continue to remember all that he does. And in Deuteronomy 8, there, there's a great example of this. Moses is sharing with the Israelites basically what we just talked about. And he's sharing the importance of never forgetting God because God is about to give them this incredibly fertile promised land. This, this is, is, he knows what, 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 what may be happening soon, and he's concerned about how they'll handle it. Now, this is a little lengthy, but I need you to stay with me and listen because it is that good. But in Deuteronomy 8, verses 11 through 12, listen to what Moses tells them. He says this, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you to this day. Otherwise, when you eat and when you are satisfied, when you build your fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors have never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to his ancestors as it is today. And then he leaves them with this warning. And he says this, If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed like the nations that the Lord destroyed before you. So you will be destroyed 
for not obeying the Lord your God. Heavy. But you see, Moses knew. He knew that it was human nature, guys, that in times of plenty, that we, we often take credit for our prosperity. And we become proud that our hard work and our cleverness has made us rich. And see, what happens then is what God meant to be a blessing becomes a curse. Guys, that's why spending time with God is so crucial to the growing believer. Because if you and I are hearing the truth daily, we're remembering as well. Now, I think you would agree the vast majority of Americans are wealthy monetarily, right? They're wealthy monetarily when compared to the rest of the world. And guys, it is so much easier that when you open up your refrigerator and it's absolutely full of food, to forget to thank the one who made it possible versus someone who doesn't eat that day unless God provides. There's a difference there. And because he is our creator and knows our tendencies, God gives us this great reminder in Deuteronomy. Please, please, church, may we never forget how truly blessed we are and may we never forget who makes it all possible. The third point for handling wealth God's way is this. It's continuing to stay generous. We have to continue to stay generous. And, and this goes back to something that both Tyler and Rick have spoke on in the last couple of weeks concerning our heart. Because the heart controls everything, right? And, and, and it was in the Gospels, one of the teachers of the law asked Jesus a great question. He said this, he said, of all the commandments, which is the greatest? Pretty good question, right? Of all the commandments, which is the greatest? And, and it's in the Gospels in different places, but in Mark 12, 30, I love what Jesus said. He said this, he said, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Guys, do you, do you see the order there? Do you, do you see that order there? The only way you and I are ever going to be able to love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves is by first loving God with everything we have and with everything we are. You see, because when that's happening, it's now God who is changing and transforming everything about us. And he's doing that at whatever speed he desires so that you and I can become who he's created us to be. And guys, a huge part of that is this. A huge part of that is how we love and care for others. But what you have to understand, this is not natural. This is not something that we're going to do every single day. This is supernatural. And that's the only way it's going to happen. And guys, when our hearts are truly being transformed by God, what I want you to know is everything else follows. When we get this right, everything else follows. And now our wealth simply becomes just another toolbox Another tool, excuse me, in the toolbox that God's provided. And we use it for his glory. I, I want you to know this. Guys, God doesn't need our wealth, right? He doesn't need our money. He wants so much more than that. You see, he wants it all. 
He wants everything about us. He wants our hearts. He wants our dreams, our desires, and our love. And when that's happening in our lives, you and I now have the ability to not only use wealth wisely, but also everything else that he's given us. And then and only then, he gives you and I the greatest privilege in the world. He gives you and I the privilege of sharing Christ with a lost world. And guys, that's when you and I become among the most rich and wealthy people in the world. It is an incredible, incredible thing to know that we have the ability to share Christ, the Savior of the world, with other people. So let me ask you this. So how do we do this, right? We've talked about, you know, how do we do this? How do we use wealth wisely? Because we know that there, there is a whole lot out there. But how do we do this? And it's, it's, it's really, it really boils down to this. We keep the first thing first. We keep the first thing first. That means that God has to be the number one priority in our lives, right? God has to be in charge of everything we have. He has to be the number one priority in our lives because if he's not, there will be a weakness. I love this, Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24. It says this, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom. Or the strong boast of their strength. Or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this. That they have the understanding to know me, God. To know that I am Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in this I delight, declares the Lord. Church, let's do this. Let's allow God to show us not only how to use our wealth, but every other gift that he's given us. Let's turn that over to him, and let's see what he has in store for us. Remember, we said this earlier, we can only do this. We can only live this way when you and I allow Jesus Christ to take over every aspect of our lives. You see, that's a journey that never ends. That's a journey that keeps happening until the day he calls us home. But as that's happening, guys, he changes how we see, he changes how we feel, he changes how we love, and he changes how we speak. And that is truly what wealth is all about. The ability to experience and enjoy God's blessings. When is the last time that you just woke up in the morning and you looked around and you realized how blessed you are? When's the last time that, that, that you understood that you sleep in a bed and a lot of people in the world are still on a floor? When is the last time that you went to the restroom and understand that that is indoor? When is that last time that you just looked at whatever it is God's given you and have been so thankful for it? You see, that's when we're keeping the first priority, when we're keeping the first thing first, that's how we begin to live. And we focus on all that we do have instead of all that we don't. Think about this. Let's say today that you lost your checkbook. Somebody asked me first service what a checkbook was. 
<laughs> okay, so let's say you lost your checkbook, right? And somebody's looking in it to see who you are. What would they see? What would they see? What would they think is the number one priority in your life? I want you to mull over that just a little. We have to keep the first thing first. I've asked the worship team to do something for me today, and I'm so grateful, guys. They learned this song in three days. But I've asked them to, to share a song that goes so well with what we were talking about today. And So I want you just to please listen and then join in when you're ready. It is absolutely amazing. So let me pray, and then let's turn it over to them. Heavenly Father God, Lord, I just want to thank you today. I want to thank you for all you do and all you are. I want to thank you, God, that, that you've given us 25 acres in the heart of Carolina Forest. And I want to pray, God, Lord, that we use that for your glory. Lord, I do. I pray today, Lord, that you would just take hold of our heart. God, that you would take hold of our heart and that you would transform it and that you would use us in the way you desire. God, you promise us an abundant life full of passion and full of purpose. And there can be no greater wealth. Today, Lord God, today, may we decide to just give it all to you. May we decide and know that you love us and that you know and want what's best for us. And may we desire to want what you want instead of what we want. May we live in a way that brings you glory. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.